When it comes to picking a powerlifting federation, there's a couple things that you want to consider to make sure that you're choosing the federation that is going to be best for you. So in this video, we are going to dive into specifically what those things are and how to pick the best federation for you. So there's three federations that I'm going to talk about today, and these are the three big ones. They're the most popular within the sport of powerlifting. The first one is USAPL. The second one is USPA. And the third is the APF. Between these three federations, there are a couple very big differences and there's a couple subtle nuances. However, both the, the big differences and those subtle nuances, do you do need to take those into consideration when you're figuring out which organization you want to lift with. So the two biggest differences between all three, um, the first one is going to be their weight classifications as far as body weight. Then the second one is going to be the type of equipment that they lift with. So between the between USAPL and USPA, their equipment is the same. APF is the one that utilizes different equipment, and I'm going to talk about why that's important to know. And then all three of them do have different weight classifications. And with weight classifications, it's really important to know what those are and know where you fall amongst those different weight classifications because if you can be at or if you can gain a competitive advantage through your your weight classification and where you sit within that weight class, I would go with the organization that is going to be best suited for you at your current body weight. The less you need to manipulate your body weight for a powerlifting meet, the better. I don't recommend doing that unless it's absolutely necessary. And so when you look at the different weight classes, ideally you want to be towards the middle to higher end of a particular weight class. That's going to give you the most competitive advantage. So in 2021, USAPL actually adjusted their weight class requirements. And so now the USPA and USAPL are a little bit closer um, and more comparable than what they used to be. So this is why you always want to make sure that you're consistently looking at your rule books because they do get updated on an annual basis. And sometimes they do make adjustments like that. So now competitively, um, if I compete with USAPL or USPA, I don't need to cut weight or adjust for either one of them. However, prior to 2021, when I competed with USAPL, I did have to cut about eight to 10 pounds, kind of depending on where I was sitting, um, in order to be at a more competitive weight class. Otherwise, I would be sitting in a higher weight class, but at the bottom of the weight range. So I would be competing with women who were potentially 15 pounds heavier than me. So from a competitive standpoint, it made sense for me to cut weight to go into a lower class. However, now that they've adjusted those rules and changed their weight classes, now I don't have to cut weight for either of them, which is fantastic. So, but it's, it's just so important that you continuously, like every single year, look at those changes because they do make changes to um, body weight classifications. They do make changes to what equipment is approved and what's not, what brands are approved, what's not. So you want to make sure that you're continuously looking at those things just to make sure that you are meeting all of those requirements. Now, after you've figured out which federation you want to lift with based on what weight class you're going to be most competitive in, you want to take a look at the type of equipment that they use. Now, USPA and USAPL use the same type of equipment. However, APF does not. And the reason why this is so important is we want to create the exact same conditions and train under as close to the same circumstances as possible as we are the day of the competition. So we need to know what type of equipment we're going to be required to lift with at the meet. That way we can train with it throughout the duration of the prep. 
So when it comes to USAPL and USPA, their equipment is the same. There are going to be some variations as far as, you know, brands and things like that. However, the specs are going to be the same. Now, when it comes to the APF, the biggest difference as far as equipment goes is APF utilizes a monolift for the squat where um, USPA and PL do not. So it is really important to know that the APF utilizes a monolift because that's going to impact the way that you train if you are deciding to lift with the APF. So a lot of gyms do not have monoliths available unless you are at a powerlifting specific gym. Most of them will. Um, but if you're if you're going to a commercial gym or just a regular strength gym, they probably won't have a monolift available. And if you don't have a monolift available during your training, that is going to like weigh heavily on your decision whether or not to lift with the APF. So lifting with a monolift or squatting with a monolift feels so completely different than lifting with a regular squat rack. With a regular squat rack, the bar is going to be rested on the rack. You're going to get up underneath the bar and you're going to brace and you're going to lift the bar off of the rack and walk away from it. Now, lifters will have their walkout memorized, right? So it triggers their body and it triggers their brain to know exactly what they need to do in order to complete the squat, right? It's part of the prep process. Now, with a monolift, you get underneath the bar you lift the bar off of the rack and the rack is going to move away from you. You do not need to walk out. Okay. So if you are someone who has a walkout memorized and it's part of your process in order to complete your squat, and you've been training that way for the last 12 to 16 weeks of your prep, and then you get to an APF meet and now you don't have to do a walkout that is going to completely screw up your entire squat. I know it sounds minimally like, well, actually, shouldn't it be easier because you don't have to hold the weight as long? Da, da, da. In theory, yes, if you're training that way, it's much easier. However, if you haven't, it's going to completely screw everything up. So we talked about the two major factors that you need to consider when choosing what federation you want to lift with. The first one being the weight classes and, the, and where you fall within those weight classes. And the second being the type of equipment that they use. I did say there were a couple nuances between the different federations. So let's talk about some of those. Um, the first one that I want to talk about is the rules and regulations around foot placement on the bench press. I know that kind of sounds silly and probably I, I say that it's a nuance, but it, it's actually kind of a big deal, um, especially if you're used to training one way and then you find out that you have to completely switch your footing. Trust me, it's going to make a huge difference in the way that you set up for the bench. But um, so the USAPL is the one that is different out of the three. So USAPL requires both the ball of the foot and the heel of the foot to maintain contact with the ground at all times throughout the duration of the lift. Now, with the with USPA and the APF, they allow the heel to be off of the ground, but the ball of the foot has to stay in contact with the floor at all times. So why does that make a big difference? Well, I can tell you as far as hip mobility um, and T-spine mobility when it comes to like creating that power lifters arch within the bench press, um, having your heel off the floor or your heel on the floor is going to make a significant difference in the um severity of that arch. Now for lifters who have a, a drastic arch, um, most of them are going to have their heels off of the floor. Okay. Because having your heels on the floor is a limiting factor for most lifters, um, as to the severity of the arch. So the reason why the arch is important to a power lifter is because it is going to shorten the range of motion that the bar has to travel. So you're going to be more likely to lift more weight, a shorter distance than you are more weight at longer distance, right? 
less energy expenditure. It also allows you to activate the lat because the bottom part of the lat is not on the bench. So you're able to um, kind of work concentric and eccentric a little bit easier without the limiting um, factor of the bench directly up against the back. So when you put your heel on the floor, it's going to limit the amount of mobility that you have in the T-spine, right? Because most people aren't gonna be able to pull their feet back far enough in order to drive their hips forward and drive the T-spine upward in order to create that drastic arch. Um, now, typically when the heels are on the floor, you're gonna have to push your feet forward a little bit more in order to make sure that the heel is maintaining contact with the ground unless you just have crazy flexibility. Um, but most of the time you're gonna have to push your feet a little further forward, which is gonna be that limiting factor. So the last thing that we're gonna touch on today as it relates to what federation you want to lift with. Um, each federation has different categories that you can um, lift, lift under. So, and uh, I'm gonna umbrella this for all three of the federations we've been talking about. So you have non-tested and you have tested meats. If you, a non-tested meet is, um, they don't drug test you. So if you're taking performance enhancers, that's completely fine. You're not going to get popped for it. Now at a tested meet, they do test you for performance enhancers. So it is really important to look to see what is considered by that federation a performance enhancer, because you very well could be taking something that you don't think would be considered a performance enhancer, but according to the rule book, it would be. So that would include certain supplements that you could just buy, you know, NutriShop or GNC or wherever, um, depending on the ingredients, certain things that are within supplements can be considered performance enhancers. There are some prescription drugs um, that are considered performance enhancers. Um, so you need to make sure that you're taking a look at all of those things. And then you also have equipped and non-equipped. So if you are lifting non-equipped, that means you are not using any equipment that is going to aid or support you within the lifts. So you are allowed to lift with knee sleeves and there's certain specs around the knee sleeves. You're allowed to lift with a weight belt and you're allowed to lift with wrist wraps um, and also lifting shoes. With equipped um, lifters, they lift with knee wraps instead of knee sleeves, still with a weightlifting belt, and then they can also use bench shirts for the bench press. So those are all things that you want to take a look at, because if you don't know, for example, if you are lifting as a non-equipped lifter and you've been training in knee wraps, you're not going to be able to lift with your knee, wrap, knee wraps at the meet unless you switch over to equipped. However, equipped lifters typically are lifting very different numbers than non-equipped lifters. So you want to make sure that you're looking at that. I hope you found this helpful. And if you did, please subscribe and share with your fellow lifters. And I will see you all next Wednesday on Raising the Bar.